Hello and welcome to Talking Aussie Books, a new weekly podcast shining a spotlight on Australian fiction. My name is Claudine Tanellis. As a writer and avid reader, I love chatting about books. And in this podcast, I'll chat to authors, publishers and readers, giving you, dear listener, insight into what's hot on the Australian fiction scene. So if you're looking for your next book recommendation or just want to know more about Aussie fiction writers, this podcast is for you. Grab yourself a cuppa, sit back and enjoy. Today I'm talking to the Melbourne-based Aussie author of two novels. Her latest, The Wolf Owl, was published by Alan and Unwin in 2018. Set in Africa against the backdrop of a war-torn Uganda and its band of child soldiers, The Wolf Hour is a gripping contemporary story about the lengths a family will go to to save one of their own and the uncomfortable self-truth that people inevitably must face in moments of crisis. I'm delighted to welcome Sarah Miles to the podcast. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Claudine. It's a pleasure to talk to you. You've captured the essence of the African landscape so incredibly well in this novel, but your writing is not only a tribute to the place and to the land, but to the people who inhabit it, their beliefs, customs and rituals. Tell me, how is it that you were able to write so authentically? Oh, look, it, it, you know, it was a labour of love. I, you know, it was sort of something that I, I really, um, in terms of the research, I think there, are, you know, there were two sort of major parts of it that really intense interest of going into it. I've always had um, a lifelong interest in in Africa, and then there was a spark that started this story, which took me there. Uh, so I've travelled there, and then I sort of did that really deep um, sort of research into both the history, um, and and then through that and the travel, met people. And was able to um, sort of sort of go a bit 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 further into it. Um, so the the landscape um, is so transporting and and so contrasting to Australia, and yet there are also sort of similarities. And there's that, and then there's the people in the landscape. So that was a, that was an integral part of the of the setting for the novel. Uh, but it's it's the culture within the landscape that I was really sort of very intrigued in and the history, both the colonial history of which, you know, being um, Australians too with a colonial history, we, we, we are a part of. So that, that drew me in and really interested me as well. So I think that the, it was sort of coming from a place of deep interest. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, obviously I've read the book and I loved it, but for the benefit of those people who haven't read it, could you tell us a little bit more about The Wolf Hour? Uh, yes, yeah, so it's it's a moral thriller that's set partly in Australia and partly in Africa and it concerns a family in crisis. So my central character, Tessa, is a young researcher who goes to Uganda to work with war-affected children um, and she oversteps the mark in some ways, partly through her own naivety and then draws her family into her dilemma. So there's, uh, there's, the, there's, the, the, there's the story of, of what happens to Tessa and then there's the story of what happens within her family. Yeah. Now, this isn't a light-hearted read by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think you've touched on a number of quite serious issues and you've highlighted the fractures that exist in African society, things like the political tensions, corruption, violence and in particular the abduction of children from their homes to serve as soldiers in the rebel forces of the Lord's Resistance Army. Now, can you tell me a little bit more about what exactly inspired you to write this particular story? Um, yeah, well, I it, what inspired me, it came from 
just a, a small chance meeting really some years ago I met um, a couple who um, were telling me about their daughter who had gone who had done um, a PhD in more affected children and had gone to to Africa so that was a that was the sort of the the lead in but with them there was their sort of um, pride and anxiety and and you know, concern for their daughter. And at the same time, I think I was myself very interested in notions of child exploitation, the fact that it is a worldwide problem, that this goes on, that we watch these things on the news or we read about them. So I was drawn sort of deeper into to that component of the story. Um, and then I started to think about Tessa and her family and create the her the character of her brother so he sort of is completely in in juxtaposition to her and this notion that we can have siblings who are very divergent from ourselves and that then sort of evolved um into into sort of broadening the story out and I got very sort of interested in their characters and I think that was the thing that intrigued or that is the thing that really intrigues me about writing is that um our characters sort of um who we are informs our decisions. So um, the same, a person who is in a situation might do one thing, you might do another. So this was this was sort of informing all that sort of filling up stage of the novel before I really sort of got down and started to sort of think about giving it um, more of a sort of a, a narrative form. So did you ever meet anyone like Tessa? Yeah, I, I have. I mean, I think with with um, when we when we write. Um, Characters are often um, compilations of all sorts of things, whether it's people that we've known, other people that we've read about, um, you know, people that you've, you, you meet vicariously or, or, or know intimately. And it's kind of, you know, that bowerboard thing of taking different things. But then they have to have a sort of a consistency about them. And I sort of saw Tessa. You know, she's, she's 30, she's wiry, she's fit, she's book smart, but she's quite naive. She's also a little bit impatient, maybe a bit self-deluding, but well-meaning. She's educated but she's still got a lot to learn so it's her sort of innocence giving way to experience in some way so I sort of saw her as as this this complex young woman who's learning about the world um, who's deeply troubled by problems that can't be fixed and is trying to grapple with that yeah I mean it's interesting that you say um I mean you've, you've described Tessa as naive in in um in a couple of your comments and I was going to say that she comes across as quite an idealist and she's you know inherently mm. a do-gooder although very naive and I guess I wanted to ask you was this in- intentional on your part um I it was intentional yes I it, it was I you know I mean there's there's the component there's a the component of her that you know like her brother you know who who calls a spade a spade you know considers her a bleeding heart liberal and so forth but I think that there was a, there is a reality. I wanted to find the veracity of, of, of Tess, who is somebody who who does have these good intentions, but is learning and is a bit mixed. And it, through the writing of it, you know, like she surprised me at times and did some, you know, amazing things. And then other times, you know, you think, oh, you know, and now I think, well, well, don't scalp her just yet, you know, <laughs> just um, uh, you know. And so it's this it's this thing that that you know um, we it's life's experiences and what it does to us and also if you do take a risk um you know she's she's going she's going out of the comfort zone of her own life into a world that she knows a bit about but not enough about and she makes um assumptions some correctly 
um, others not. But she's also very moved um, by the encounters that she has both with um, Dominic who's um, a sort of like a, you know, she meets him at the rehabilitation centre and he is like a sort of like a, a teacher, a guiding figure and uh, the social worker there, Beatrice, but also the, the one of the child soldiers who she becomes, um, you know, very concerned for and, and moved by his story. So there's, there's that journey that she has and that, that change in her through the, through the arc of the narrative, um, which is, you know, really just over um, a small period of her life. So we just sort of see this, this window into, into her life at that time as she's growing. Yeah, indeed. Now, there's much commentary in the novel about the perception of Westerners, especially Western aid workers in Africa, and I think you explore the tension between what the Western world believes their role is in such war-torn areas such as Uganda and what organisations such as the LRA think. Um, At one point in the novel, there's quite an eye-opening discussion between Tessa as the main protagonist and a Colonel Colo in the latter half of the novel and I think it's one that might apply equally to any war-torn country in which the West has a presence or sends foreign aid. Um, a resentment of the lingering effects of colonial- colonialism perhaps. Yes yeah I think that's there but I think it's also very real. Um, you know I was very sort of you know interested even just in sort of things that are aside from um the the war and the and the complexities of the civil war and how the west has been sort of involved in that um is also sort of something like say arms trafficking for example that would provide that and if you sort of think about that i mean the the west has had a um a deep involvement you know uh Firearms were first brought to the Kingdom of Congo in the 15th century. The biggest arms dealers now are the US, the UK, Russia, France and China. Um, And they're also members of the um, UN Security Council. And we even have Australia in our own way. I mean, we're in the top 20 currently making um, of, of, of weapons production. Um, and there has been a push recently to be in the top 10. So those sorts of things, while they're not in the novel at, at all, um, they do inform this fact that we we do live in very much a, a global world where there are global um, politics going on and it's a, it does have a domino effect. There is involvement um, at, at, at all levels. Yeah. Um, well, of course, the, the backdrop to this novel um, is very factual. I mean, um, it surprised me to learn just how much factual detail was in your novel. Um, you know, the warlord Joseph Coney was indeed responsible for the mass abduction of Ugandan children from their homes to fight for his Lord Resistance Army. And what Tessa witnesses actually happened to many children in Uganda. We learn about the atrocities the children committed through Tessa's relationship with Francis. So I wanted to know what what specific research did you have to do to get such a rich um, factual background to your novel? Um, yeah, well, as I sort of said before, I, I began with um, uh, with reading extensively. So I, I read um, hundreds of testimonials um, and also the kinds of PhDs that Tessa may have done. And then I did sort of interviews and um, and travelled there and met people. So that that then informed um, the the narrative. There's um, there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of um, you know sort of wonderful um, 
people who are very generous in in telling their stories. So that was really what I drew heavily from um, in the narratives of the of, of the child soldiers. Yeah, although I'd heard of the child soldiers of Uganda before and knew of those uh, knew of the atrocities they were forced to commit under such a cruel regime, it's still quite shocking to read about. And I'm and I'm sure one um, an account that many Australians would be horrified horrified to learn about. Um, yeah, we are. I mean, violence is is horrible, and civil war is horrible, and yet it's it's one of those sort of life's realities. And even though um, you know, we sort of think that we're separate from it. We're, we're not necessarily so. I mean, one of the things that did um, inform my whole interest uh, in the bigger picture of the novel um, is perhaps my own background. I'm Anglo-Irish and grew up in Australia, but there was always, you know, my childhood was always sort of informed by the the, the Troubles, which is really a euphemism for the brutal civil war mm. in in Northern Ireland at that time, um, and it seems to me that these civil wars can last a generation. So, on a on a large picture, that sort of that that interested me, and that they're they're happening. Um, around the globe all the time and yet also within our own families there are these conflicts and so that was what um, was sort of behind the the notion of the novel but it was really the characters who were who were leading the story in their own way and what what they chose to do um, meant you know which direction I wanted to sort of carry the story excuse me sure um, on a personal level, one of the most thought-provoking aspects of this novel um, is the relationship between Tessa's brother Stephen and their parents Lee and Neil. And as a parent, your commentary on this relationship really resonated with me. And it's something I recently discussed with Burr Carroll in relation to her new book, The Missing Pieces of Sophie McCarthy. Yeah. This idea that parents can often be the enablers of their children's less desirable behaviours or attributes. Was this something you deliberately wanted to explore? Um, I did want to explore um, the relationships between um, parents and their adult children and that and also uh, that notion of responsibility and and control and how um, how if if your child disappoints you, what do you do? Um, are you responsible for their actions? So all those sorts of themes were questions that were going around in my head. Um, when I was considering the relationship between the, the members of the family. Mm, yeah. So tell me about the title, The Wolf Hour. Okay, so The Wolf Hour is generally sort of considered that time, maybe 3 or 4 a.m., you know, when you wake in the middle of the night and perhaps the thing that is troubling you most comes to consciousness. It's when you're considered most awake, when people, you know, there's, it's often sort of said it's the time when people are born or they die. Um, but it's also the time that's sort of considered that when you come face to face with yourself. Um, and it was it was something that, that was really interesting me um, when I was when I was sort of thinking of, about about the novel that you know when you are in a in a position of um, you know a, a moral dilemma I mean do you surprise yourself are you the person you thought you were or are you not so we were just sort of talking about Neil um, the father there before I mean he's otherwise a good man but um, there's a point at which you know everybody can snap mm. and what 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 is that point so that was a you know that 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 sort of dilemma for him. 
Yeah, because I was going to say, of course, each of them, Tessa, Stephen, Lee and Neil, all see what they're capable of, of being or becoming when faced with the, with this ultimate crisis, don't they? I mean, yes. Tessa is abducted by rebel forces and they make a decision to use whatever means necessary to secure her return. Um, and and they, they really do. They reach that point where they have to decide, you know, is this the person I want to be? Is this the person I am? Is this who I thought I was? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And there's also those questions that you ask yourself, are there limits to family, family loyalty? You know, mm-hmm. should you betray, betray a family member? So there are those sort of um, issues that come up. Now, in, um, you know, uh, it's it, they're not a sort of an everyday thing, but I think, you know, when most people talk, you know, there's that... Um, a wonderful saying that um, if if you think your your um, if you think you know somebody else's family is normal you don't really know them well enough. There's always a sort of you know the complexities and the depths that um, are there in in people's uh, whole story. Of course, of course. Now, how much of your experience as a nurse do you think found its way into the narrative for this novel? Um, I think a lot. Um, I think that you you know once you've you know. Um, you've sort of had that kind of intimate um, contact with people and just survival and existence. It's it's always there, and so it's it's very much a part of it. So when we were sort of talking about research before, I think that's the second strand of research for me is the really personal thing. So there's you know there's perhaps my nursing, but there's also you know I'm a mother, I'm a wife a daughter, a sister, there's all those sort of things that, that do, in, you know, inform the fabric of of how you want to sort of get your characters to sort of sit and make them sort of seem really real and three-dimensional. Indeed. Now, Sarah, The Wolf Hour is your second novel and your first, Transplanted, was published some time ago now. Yes. I wanted to ask you, have you always wanted to be a writer? Um. I, I look, it never really occurred to me when I was growing up. I, um, I grew up um, in, on a farm and which then sort of became a, you know, a, a, a rural community quite quickly because it was out on the eastern corridor of Melbourne. I, um, you know, as you've mentioned, I went nursing and it was not sort of sort of something that, you know, was considered that I would do. I, um, I didn't really have the option to go to university at that sort of stage, although I deeply wanted to. Um, so I fell in love with reading first and foremost. And I can remember actually um, when that like sort of really hit me at being at about, because there weren't that many books in my home, but I can remember my mum had a collection of books and she did have Sons and Lovers by D.H. Lawrence. And I remember being about 14 or something and taking this book and hopping into bed and reading it from beginning to end in one night and thinking, and just that, that just that sort of, uh, immersion in into another world, but a world that you can de- identify with. And um, I, even as I'm saying that to you now, I realise there's quite a lot of family politics in <laughs> in <laughs> in that novel. Um, and then you know, I um, you know, you 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 go on with life. I I did go to uni. I did do literature. I studied literature, um, but I I didn't think that I would necessarily write. Um, I thought I'd perhaps do some reviewing and that sort of thing. And then I I just sort of decided, oh, well, you know, on the one hand, it's very easy for people to to deconstruct another person's work um, and to be able to talk from it. And I'm much better at talking about other people's work than my own. But what is it like to actually put one together and and 
and go down that whole path of creation rather than you know sort of un, undo unpacking it and I was hooked really I just love it um I think that I write in order to understand things and um so you know there's that there is that sort of real immersion into your interest into following it down all sorts of um rabbit holes and sometimes it's completely you know a you know, you go off on a tangent and then other times it sort of brings you back to a to a surprising sort of uh, contrast or, or or gives you, yeah, greater, greater um, cohesion in what you want to say. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, this is the thing. I think, you know, um, writers often sort of say that they're not, they're, they're better on the page than what they are when they're, when they're discussing things. So oh, I think we, totally we like to pick that. up with the pen. <laughs> So what I wanted to ask you is, um, are you actually working on anything else at the moment? Uh, yes, I am. I'm, I am working on, um, it's a completely different, I think my, my interest often with a novel is, you know, is widely different. Uh, so the, there, were, there are two things. There's, um, but I think one is beginning to take precedence. So it's a story actually about um, a, a political comedian so and it's set um, mainly in Australia so it's 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 taking me away um from the world of of where the wolf hour was set although I'm still very um interested in Africa and African writing and in fact at the moment I'm doing some mentoring work for um the Mawazo uh, Institute which is a, a sort of for emerging writers so I'm hearing lots of of contemporary African stories coming so there's still that interest that's sort of um there and I'm enjoying that very much at the same time. That's brilliant. So Sarah if listeners wanted to connect with you or to learn more about your books where can they find you? Um, yeah, well, I have a website, so that's um, sarahmiles.com.au and on that there's a link to other social media, uh, uh, so Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Fantastic. So that's probably the easiest way. That's brilliant, Sarah. Now, I've absolutely loved chatting with you today. Thank you so much for joining me on Talking Aussie Books. Thanks, Claudine. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for your interest. It's lovely. Um, to have this opportunity. Now, listeners, to find out how to win a signed copy of Sarah's gripping book, head on over to my Facebook or my Instagram feed and follow the prompts. Well, that's a wrap, folks. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or drop me a line via my Instagram at Claudine Tinellis or on my webpage, claudinetinellis.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, happy reading.